Why do we make time in our lives? Our lives are busy. Our lives are important. But the greatest thing we can ever do is when we walk in this room and we take a moment and we acknowledge that we are not alone. And yes, can you do that in your house? Can you do that in your car? You absolutely can. But there's something when God's community comes together and you sit in this room and you look and you see, you know what? You saw the same news I did. You heard the same bad stuff I did. You went through that with me. And regardless of where we stand on any situation, I am not alone because not only are you in the same situation with me, my God is with me every step of the way. Amen. Amen, Corner. Are we ready today? Amen. All right. So today we are on our last Sunday of a sermon series called The Art of Neighboring. Now, who ever thought there was an art form to being a neighbor? But what we have found is that Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that there was an art form to becoming a good neighbor. Now, here's what we've discovered is Dee Dee is not a great neighbor, but I'm getting better because of this series. Honestly, though, for me, my prayer has been that we have been diving into this aspect of our neighboring and that art of what that means and hoping that we actually just see our neighbor. We get so busy in life and we get so busy with it being about us. Do we see our neighbor? We've talked about knowing our neighbor. We've talked about, you know, that we're better together. We've talked about what it means to know that it's time to check out the neighbor. We've been looking at them from afar and we've just come up with a million excuses not to deal with our neighbor and it's time. So this series really does bid us to consider our neighbor and not just those to the left or right in our neighborhood, but our neighbor is those in the grocery store line. And some of y'all get frustrated with those people in the grocery store line. When you've got two items and they have 102, it's a different deal. How about you find a whole new Jesus when you have to go to the DPS and get your driver's license renewed? But here's what you need to know. That's your neighbor. That's your neighbor. The other day, I was standing in line And finally, I went and got a seat and Jeff stood in line when it took you 30 minutes to walk up to a place to make your order and your menu is right in front of you. And how many people in front of you didn't even look at their menu till they walked up. And so you stood there for 35 minutes. That's my neighbor. That's my neighbor. Yeah. So today we're going to take it one step further. Because today we're not going to just talk about it. Y'all are going to have to trust me on this one because y'all are like, oh goodness. But here's what I do want to do. I want to take a poll today. I want to know how many extroverts do I have in the room? Oh Lord. That's about what I thought. Yep. Yep. Like you can talk to a stump and it doesn't matter if that stump talks back, right? It is. Because then you can just keep going. You can just keep going. I sit back in amazement at my extrovert friends because y'all are the ones that really have had a harder time going through COVID. Me, I've been like, whew, 
I don't have to say much and I can just sit back. Because you know what? How many of us in this room are introverts? We'll be real honest. And I, I know I stand up here in front of you, but I really am an introvert. Peopling. Peopling wears you out, right? Can you say that? Peopling wears you out. And I don't even know if peopling is a word, but it's a good one just to describe it. And what I love is that every single one of my introvert brothers and sisters know exactly what I'm saying. So what about this? How many of us are what we call Jesus talk shy? How many of us are what we call Jesus talk shy? You know, meaning we're afraid to say much to people about our faith because we're afraid they'll look at us like we're crazy. And in the past two years, it's even harder to do that because we have a label for everything. So all of a sudden they're going to look at me like I'm one of those Jesus freaks. (laughs) Meaning, you know, like they might be one of those that are going to tell me I'm going to hell because they don't know what's in my back pocket of my lifestyle. Or maybe you're afraid of them because they're those people that scare you because you get nightmares from when you were a kid in in church and they told you some crazy theology and you're like, wait, it's one of those. Or, or are you ready to tell the world about Jesus? And what he has done in your life. And maybe some of you go, that's great and all, and I really don't mind. I just don't know how to do that. What do I do? Just walk up to some stranger and go, hey, how am I supposed to do that? One of my closest friends and mentors that works at this church, she can talk to anybody. And she knows how to open the conversation like it's no big deal. And I'm like, amazed. It gracefully. All right. So here's how we're going to go into this. We're going to talk about, so introvert friends, extrovert friends, friends that are Jesus talk shy, friends that aren't, friends that are sitting on G waiting on O and you are ready to go. You just don't know what to do. Here's what we're going to do. Okay. So we're going to start in chapter four of the gospel of Luke. I love this story because I need you to understand this is good stuff and you've all heard it. But it pretty much lays it out for us in just a few verses. We're going to start at verse 16, if you're following me. Chapter 4 of Luke, verse 16. Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been raised. On the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue as he normally did and stood up to read. So Jesus isn't playing. He stands up, guys. That means it's serious. I need you to see because I know if you see me, you're going to hear me. The synagogue assistant gave him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me, has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind to liberate the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll gave it back to the synagogue assistant and sat down. He was done. 
Every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him. He began to explain to them, Today, today, this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So in this scripture, Jesus begins his public ministry by proclaiming release to captives and to the oppressed. He announces that today, in this place where everyone can hear me, the prophecy of Isaiah has been fulfilled and the year of the Lord's favor has come. So what you've been waiting for, you don't have to wait for any longer. It's here. And this sermon at his hometown synagogue encapsulates the message that he has been teaching in the synagogue throughout even Galilee. So now he's going home to tell them. Although the people of Nazareth marvel at him because you have to know they know him. They know who he is. But he still stands to speak to say, listen, you need to hear what I'm saying. When I read this scripture, though, it reminds me of a couple of things. It does remind me, because I want you to remember this, and I'm going to come back why it reminds me of this. Sometimes those closest to you are the hardest to reach. Sometimes those that are the closest to you are the hardest to reach. Loving your neighbor does not exclude your family and those familiar to you, co-workers, Bus drivers, sisters, brothers, etc. It does not exclude them. Your neighbor isn't just a stranger. Listen, even for Jesus, the hardest to reach were those closest to him. If you keep reading in this chapter, by the time you get to the end of this chapter, they're ready to throw Jesus off a cliff because they don't like what he's saying. Because see, he's the, he's the kid they've watched grow up. So he's in his home where they've watched him grow up. They look at him as Joseph's kid, and all of a sudden he's gone from Joseph's kid to, uh uh-oh, this really is the son of God. And when he begins to speak truth and life into them, they don't like it. Because he's not saying what he wants, what they want him to say as the child they've watched grow up. So now all of a sudden, they're ready to throw him off the cliff if you keep reading in that chapter. Jesus isn't surprised. The closest to us know us. The closest to us know how to push our buttons. And the closest to us wear us out sometimes, and they do it on purpose. They do it on purpose. But God did not say it would be easy. Jesus himself was rejected by those, and they knew how to try to push his buttons. And guess what? When you read that, he just walks off. I'm done. I've said what I came to say. I've done what God asked me to do. I'm done. He began his ministry to a certain degree right where it all began for him. Right there with those that were quote unquote his family. And then because of Jesus' example, we are reminded, do you know the power you have in the name of Jesus? The scripture says it. In verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And when it says me, I need you to understand that's you too. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. 
But it's not ever going to be by my might, but by the spirit of the Lord that is upon me and you. The spirit of the Lord has anointed you and me. Do you know what the word anointing means? This is about to get good. Y'all ready? Ooh, I got, I got goosies right now just thinking about it. Do you know what anointing means? It means you have been chosen. You. Some of y'all are like, who are you looking at? I'm serious. There is not one person in this room, there is not one person watching today that isn't chosen by God. You're anointed. It means you have been chosen for a very real assignment. You have been chosen for your greatest assignment. But, there's always a but in that, right? Because in the Methodist Church, we believe in this thing called free will. So if we want to just sit on our backside, God lets us. But you know that he didn't create you to sit on your backside. He created you to do your assignment. So it is not up to you to decide if you were equipped and ready because God already has. The anointing is on you. You are chosen. So, is that you, Steph? Do you know your assignment? Do you know your assignment? Anybody? You want to tell me? Can raise your hands. Do you know it? Your assignment, not somebody else's, not mine, not Pastor Stan's, not Pastor Don's, your assignment. This entire month, we have been talking about how we get ready for our assignment. But do we understand what our assignment really is? And in this next verse, in chapter 18, it says, He has sent me to preach the good news. And that isn't me, because I'm your pastor. Preach the good news means all of us. He has sent to me, me to give the good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's a lot of homework. But that's your assignment. You may not be a preacher, or a Sunday school teacher, or even a worship leader. I should have written a song because they all rhyme. But please know this assignment is for every single one of you. We are all here on this planet to share the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone, even those that want to throw us off a cliff. Don't think for one minute that Jesus was surprised what they would not like about his message. Because it was a message of hope and liberation and not for just a few. His message was a message of hope and liberation for every single person. This message broadened the doors of hope and peace. This message brought comfort and unity to people that had never known what it meant to belong. Did anybody else relate to that? This message of Jesus also gave a very important message that we all need to hear. This message not only gave us an assignment that he really means for us to do. He really means for us to do this assignment. But here's what I love, and I love and I smile about it. Guys, don't look at someone else to get your assignment done. Your assignment belongs to you and you only. 
Don't look to your right or left. Don't look at me and tell me, but honey, I'm just not holy enough. Well, who is? I mean, that's my thing. Who is? Let me tell you, we're all going to turn to dust when this is all over. Who is? So then it leads us to ask this question as I close today. What are you going to do with your assignment? What are you going to do with it? Now that you know what it is, what is it? It's to proclaim the gospel. It's to help those in need. It's to let them know that you are loved and fully accepted by God just like you are. Because you know why? God created you on purpose. And when he created you, he created you with an assignment just like he did me. I don't think I could say that again if I tried. That was really quick. But what are you going to do with your assignment? I'm serious, Crosswalk. This room should be full, six feet apart, because we want to keep each other safe. But every single one of us in this room knows somebody that needs to be here today, someone that needs to know, you know what, it's fine that you make money and you work 40 to 70 hours a week. But let me tell you something, that assignment will fail in the sense of at the end, that assignment won't matter. The assignment that will matter is those that you have brought to Jesus because of who you've been and what you've done and the disciple you became and you fulfilled your assignment. This room should be full of people because every single one of us, and I'm talking to me, because every one of us have been in that place where we didn't know where we belonged. We didn't know how we belonged. And we certainly thought they're not going to take some weirdo like me. I got purple hair and I'm five foot tall. I look like a troll sometimes. And Jesus said, yeah, you know what? I created that too. I created that too. I created you. And here's the best part. I did it on purpose. I find that in order to reach out to my neighbor, I have to actually reach out. It doesn't work if I don't reach. Maybe it's in sharing your story. Or maybe it's in seeing a need or making Away when you see a need. To my extrovert friends, once again, you got this. Just don't scare people. Don't make people go, oh, here she goes, I'm out of here. It's true. We all got friends like that. When I think, do y'all get those pictures in your mind of, yeah, I know who she's talking about right now. Know that your assignment has been given to you by God. He will equip you. That means even with the right words to speak to your neighbor, sometimes loving your neighbor doesn't mean there even has to be words. And to my introvert friends, you don't have to have those words. What you don't already know is that your life is already being watched and part of your assignment is in play and you don't even realize it because somebody somewhere is watching your life to see how you're going to make it. Somebody 
somewhere in your life, I promise you, is, is banking on you making it because they're following your footsteps. And you didn't have to say a word. To my introvert friends, and you sit back and it panics you to even think about what it means to speak or say or get up, it's okay. Because the great part is, is that the Holy Spirit will keep equipping you too to know exactly what to do. Maybe it's buying a cup of coffee and never having to say a word for that person behind you. Maybe it's that little lady that can't pick up her groceries. You help her get her groceries in her car. You didn't have to say a word. You just had to lift bags. Maybe it's just speaking the words, I'm here. What do you need? See, here's the deal. In order to do our assignment, here's the great thing about God. You don't have to know every single thing about that assignment. All you have to know is that you just need to be obedient. You don't have to understand it all. You just have to be obedient. For some in this room, loving your neighbor is a way of life. Y'all have already got this down. This concept is something you've been doing a long time. Well, I salute you because I'm learning from you. This week, actually today, and I, 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 I want to tell this story real quick. And then we're going to do our assignment together. Today, 16 years ago, Hurricane Katrina hit. And my mom and my uncle and my aunt and my brother were living in this really cool house about three blocks from the ocean of Gulfport, Mississippi. It was like going to the Golden Girls when you went to their house. I'm not kidding you. It was like a sitcom every time you walked through those doors. Bob and B know they were there with me a couple of times. Always fun. But let me tell you, there is nothing like when a hurricane hits and you lose your family for about five days. I didn't know where they were. But what I did know is that my brother, that's a whole different conversation, decided to stay. Yes. And I stayed on the phone till the phone lines went off with my brother. I was scared to death. And it was about four days, my phone rings and it's my brother. He's like, sis, I'm okay. And I said, well, how are you making it? And he said, well, I filled up all the sinks. I filled up all the tubs. And he said, I'm okay. He said, but here's the cool thing. My neighbor stayed too. Because on the left side of where my mom lived was a gentleman and his wife, and he worked for the power company. So because he worked for the power company, he, he knew he was going to have to stay. Let me tell you, you want to learn the art of neighboring being a hurricane when there's no power, no water, nothing. And you're reliant on, hey, do you have some of this? Do you have some of that? And you make it work. And I remember how precious this man 
was to my brother. And then I remember talking to this man at a party later on from my mother's 80th, and he would begin to tell me how precious my brother was to him. The art of neighboring made something so devastating pretty beautiful. For you realize you are not alone. For you realize someone is there. If something happens, I know they're there. And not only that, but hey, I've got this if you need this. They shared water. They shared food. For about a week, they were there together. That's not the art of neighboring like the norm. But let me tell you, that's one of the greatest examples of the art of neighboring. So we get that opportunity. We all do to fulfill our assignments. Amen.